today's reading will be out of Ephesians 5, 1 through 14. In the Pew Bible, it's on page 978. Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us, and gave his life up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity of or, or covetousness must not even be named among you, as it is proper among saints. Let there be no filth, filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure, or who is covetousness, that is, an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God has come upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not associate with them, for at one time you were darkness, but now are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Yet when the word of the Lord is read to this day, a veil still remains over their hearts and their minds are hard. But when anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is removed, the heart is made soft, because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, and the Lord is the Spirit. And so now we with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of God in the face of Christ, are being transformed from one glory to another. Lord Jesus, how I pray that you would turn our hearts towards you this morning. And how I pray that you would turn your face toward us now. And I pray that as you do, you would remove the veil. There is in all of our hearts a hardness, Father. There is over all of our eyes a veil that keeps us from seeing your glory. And yet that is what we so desperately need. Lord, we're all in different circumstances here this morning, but we all need one and the same thing. And that is eyes to see the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And so how I pray that you in your grace and in your mercy would turn toward us now and grant us those eyes. Please remove the veil, Jesus. Please soften the heart and give us a sight of you. I trust in you for this, Lord. And now, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer, our savior and our friend. In your great name we pray. Amen. First John chapter three, verses one through three go like this, and this is up there on the PowerPoint for you. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called the children of God. And so we are. We who were once dead in our trespasses and sins, we who once were following in the course of this world, just caught up in the stream of the world, helpless, 
We who once were under the dominion of Satan and were captive to do His will. We who once were rightfully deserving of the wrath of God and were in fact children of wrath like the rest of mankind. We, we have become the children of God. Oh, beloved, behold what love the Father has lavished upon us. And John continues, the reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. In other words, in part we know who we are. In Christ we are children of God, but we have no clue what's coming. There's more coming than we could imagine. But we know, John says, that when He appears, we shall be like Him because we shall see Him as He is. We shall see Jesus as He is. Christian, have you ever taken the time to meditate on this fact that one day you will no longer have to behold the glory of Christ by faith because you will see Him face to face. You will see the glory of Jesus Christ. One day, you will not have to look through a glass darkly to see Him. You will not have to wonder what Jesus looks like. Because if you are in Christ, you are going to see Jesus Christ with your own eyes, face to face, forever. Have you ever taken time to soak in this fact that in Christ, this is your destiny. This is your hope to see the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ and never have to look away. That destiny requires that our bodies be transformed because if they were not transformed, we would be just like the Apostle John. When John saw the glory of Jesus on the Isle of Patmos, do you remember what happened to him? He, the Bible says, fell on his face as though he was dead because the sight of the glory of Christ was just too much for his physical body to take in. Or if we were not transformed, we would be like the Apostle Paul. You remember what happened to him on the road to Damascus when he literally, visibly encountered the glory of God in the face of Christ. He saw it shine, and so did everybody else around him. And the effect was that he was blinded for some days. We could no more given the current state of our bodies, behold the glory of Christ right now, then we could look directly into that sun without becoming blind. The only difference is that the glory of Christ would blind us more thoroughly and more instantly than that sun. Believe me when I say that. But in that day, when by the grace of God in Christ, we are granted the sight of Christ our bodies will be transformed, our eyes will be made fit to behold Him, and we will gaze upon the glory of Jesus Christ forever. And we will never, ever, ever have to look away from Him. Our souls will be completely captured and enamored of Christ, and nothing will ever again draw our attention away from Him. Never again will we sin against Him and break our fellowship with Him. Never again will we be in the presence of evil or of Satan or of the demons. They will be quarantined forever. 
Never again will we be tempted from within or tempted from without, giving in to the pressures of the world and the pressures of our peers. Never again will we know death or the bitter sting of death. It will be gone. No more pain. No more crying. God Himself will wipe away our tears and all things will be new. Never again will we become weary or have to turn away from Him or even take a five-minute break from gazing upon Him. Never again will we be distracted or contemplating other things, distracted by them. Never again will anything draw our hearts, our passions away from Jesus Christ. Our bodies will no longer know disease or decay. And therefore, they will never have to cease looking at Him with great intensity. No, friends, in that day, we who are in Christ will be totally transformed by Christ. And we will be totally transfixed upon Christ forever. This is our destiny in Jesus. This is our hope. Now surely, we will behold other things besides just Christ Himself. We will see the city of God that God has prepared for those who love Him in all of its glory. We will see the angels of God that have ministered in His presence for a very long time and have been sent to help us more than we could possibly know. Hebrews chapter 1 tells us that. We will see the four living creatures and the 24 elders that surround the throne and worship Him forever and ever and say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. We will see the myriads upon myriads of people who have been redeemed by Christ from every tribe and tongue and nation. We will see all of that and much more. We will see the wonders of the works of God in the universe with much more clarity and understanding than we do now. Oh, Paul was right when he said in 1 Corinthians 2.9, No eye has ever seen, no ear has ever heard, no heart has ever conceived the things that God has planned for those who love Him. But believe me when I say that in all these things, the central thing that we will see is the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. In that day, Christ will be all to us and He will be in all to us. He alone will capture our attention. He alone will capture our minds and our hearts. He alone will transfix us on Him forever and ever. We will see the city, but we won't praise it. We'll praise the God who made it. We will see the angels and the creatures and all the myriads of worshipers who will glow with the glory of God, but we won't praise them. We will praise Him who redeemed them. We will see so much glory in the works of God, but we won't praise them. We will praise the God who performed them. And since all of these things will be revealed to us in and through the person of Jesus Christ, it is right it is proper, it is biblical to say that He alone will capture our attention forever and we will praise the glory of God in the face of Christ in everything forever and ever and ever. We will have eyes to behold Him and in a sense, only Him forever. This is our destiny in Christ. This is our hope. 
If you are a Christian, friends, this is a picture of your future. And that's why John says what he says in chapter 3, verse 3. Everyone who thus hopes in Him purifies himself as He is pure. If I can put that in other words, anyone who has the hope of beholding the glory of God in the face of Christ prepares his soul to behold the glory of God in the face of Christ. He learns to walk in the ways of God and forsake the ways of the world and go after His Father and be light and refuse to walk in the darkness. Everyone who hopes to see the glory of Christ by sights in heaven seeks to see the glory of Christ by faith here on the earth. Just as John Owen, the 17th century Puritan, wrote in his book called The Glory of Christ, and we do have a few copies of this book out there, and I really recommend that you read it. Quote, No man shall ever behold the glory of Christ by sight in heaven who does not in some measure behold it by faith in this world. Grace is a necessary preparation for glory, and faith is a necessary preparation for sight. The soul unprepared by grace and faith is not capable of seeing the glory of Christ in heaven. If a man or a woman claims to love and desire that which he never even saw, he is deceiving himself. And so it is that John says, everyone who has this hope in himself to see Jesus Christ face to face and to love Him, everyone who has that hope purifies himself as he is pure. Now, with that as a backdrop, let me turn our attention to Ephesians 5, 8. When Paul says in that verse that we who are in Christ are light in the Lord, he does not say that we walk in light. He says we are light in the Lord. Here's what I think is the gist of what he's getting at. The process of preparing your soul and your body to see the glory of Christ has already begun. There's a sign over your life that says, work in progress. Christ at work here. The work has a long way to go, but the work has begun. And one day, Jesus will begin this work that He has begun in us. Amen? And we will be prepared to see His glory forever with our eyes wide open and we will never turn away. The reason I have spent two sermons before this Sunday on one half of one verse is because I am so zealous for us to understand not only the commands of God, but the underlying reasons behind those commands. And in Ephesians 5, 17-14, the underlying reasons for the commands that are given there have to do with who we are in Christ and what our destiny is in Christ. You are light in the Lord, friends. And your destiny is to see your Savior face to face forever and ever. That is what is under the commands of God in these verses. And oh, how I pray that the Lord has allowed me to communicate that to you to some degree because if you get any glimpse at all of the vision here, then His commands will no longer seem to you like moralistic or legalistic platitudes if they do seem like that to you. Rather, they'll just make sense. They're the very things that anybody would do who longs to see the glory of God in the face of Christ, who has this hope living and breathing inside of Him or inside of her. So, with that hope in mind, let's turn our attention now to the command that is mainly in verse 8. There's a, a, another side to it that Paul gives a little bit later. 
But in verse 8, Paul simply says this, Since you are light in the Lord, walk as children of light. Very simple command. It's the command of the day. If you remember anything from today, remember that. Walk as children of light. Since you are light, and since one day you will have the unspeakable privilege of seeing Him who made you to be light, then be who you are. Come out of the darkness and walk as children of light. For look with me there at verse 9. The fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. If you want to enjoy the feast of Christ, then walk in the light as He is light. Beloved, there is no lasting fruit in the things of darkness or in even flirting with the things of darkness, even entertaining it in your mind or with your mouth. There's no fruit there. There's no lasting fruit in engaging in things that are unrighteous and undermine relationships and destroy relationships and worst of all, break fellowship with God. There is no lasting fruit in telling lies and forsaking the truth. None at all. And the thing about the darkness is that it loves to lie because it loves to hide itself, right? Darkness likes to be in darkness. And one of the main ways it conceals itself is by lying. But there's no lasting fruit there. No, the fruit that will last for eternity and prepare our souls to see the glory of Jesus and love it and never have to turn away is found in all that is good and right and true and only in what is good and right and true. When we who are light in the Lord walk in the darkness, we work against the very thing that God is trying to prepare us for in the future. We work against our highest joy and our own destiny. In the moment, it seems to be pleasurable. But in the end, it actually works against our joy. When we who are the light walk in the darkness, we're like a street child from Bolivia who was finally adopted into a loving family. At one time, we lived on the streets and now we don't anymore. We have our own bed with blankets and pillows and sheets and everything. We've got all the clothes, the closets. We've got it all. We once used to be hungry and we'd walk the streets begging for food. And we'd eat anything that we had to eat just to remain full. But now there's feasts laid out before us every single day. At one time, we only had one set of clothes. It was filthy, dirty, raggedy full of holes. Now we have more clothes than we could ever use in a lifetime. But when we walk in the darkness, we're like that kid who instead of sleeping in his bed, takes his blanket and goes out on the porch and sleeps on the concrete because he just doesn't know anything else. We're like that kid who clothes himself with the new clothes and then he goes out in the backyard and sits in the mud and plays with sticks. Or we're like him who instead of enjoying the feast laid out before him, he goes out on the streets and begs for food because, again, that's all that he knows to do. When we who are light in the Lord walk in the darkness, we display the depth of the impact that sin has had on us. And we also display our great ignorance of the things that belong to us in Christ. We turn away from a feast and we go to beg for food out on the streets. But praise be to God. Just as those adoptive parents would not forsake their child because of this behavior, our Heavenly Father will never leave us, never forsake us. 
He does not leave us in our dark condition, but rather He keeps going out to us and just trying to woo us back into the house night after night. Son, daughter, you don't have to sleep on the porch. Come into the place that I have prepared for you. Son, daughter, you don't have to sit in the mud and play with sticks. I've got great things for you inside my house. Son, daughter, you don't have to beg for food anymore. I have prepared a feast for you like you wouldn't believe and it's all you can eat. Come into my house. Our Father just woos us and woos us and woos us. He's slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. He will indeed discipline us when we need it. Amen? You ever been disciplined by the Lord? I have. Many a time. The Lord has spared me 10,000 sorrows by His discipline, and I praise Him for it. But Hebrews 12.10 tells us that when He disciplines us, He does it for our good that we may share in the feast of His holiness. He's trying to woo us back into the house where He has prepared great things for us. He just never gives up on us, but He keeps wooing us by saying, walk as children of light. Come out of the darkness. Walk as children of light. Come out of the darkness. Bear the fruit of light by loving and pursuing what is good and right and true. And as Paul says in verse 10, try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Our Father bids us, turn your minds away from the things you used to know and turn them now toward Me and seek to discern the things that will please Me and do those things for My glory and Your joy are hidden there. They're hidden there and the joy will be great. Praise be to the name of God. Our Father will not stop wooing us like this until the day of Christ Jesus when all things are completed and our eyes are changed and we're able to see His glory in the face of Jesus Christ and not have to look away. Until that day when all things come to their proper end and we're convinced that there's more treasure in God than in all the treasures of this universe. Until that day when God through our lives displays the glorious riches of His grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. And so, brothers and sisters, my simple and yet pointed encouragement to us today is let us just give in to the wooing of our Father and let us walk as children of light. Be who you are in Christ and forsake the darkness. Now for the flip side of His command. Look at verses 11 and 12 with me, please. Not only are we to walk as children of light, but Paul says, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. So high has the Father set the bar for us that He says, take no part whatsoever in the things of darkness. There's no room for any of it there. He says, don't even speak about it. Don't let these things come to your mind. Don't let them come out of your mouth, much less do them. Forsake the darkness. Or as Paul said in Romans 13, 14, he said, make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desire. None at all. Don't even let there be a sliver of a place in your life for the things of the flesh and the darkness to take root in you. The value of walking in the light so far outweighs the value of the darkness and the fleeting pleasures of darkness That our Father simply says, don't walk in it, but instead do what? He says, expose it. Instead of walking in the darkness, expose it. Now, we have come to the problem. Sinners, like us, 
even though we're in Christ, many of us, we are still sinners, we're still prone to sin. Sinners like us don't want their sin to be exposed, right? How many of you, I won't ask you to raise your hands, but how many of you enjoy your sin being exposed? Or want your sin to be exposed? How many of you seek purposely not to let your sin be exposed? We have a secret love affair going on with our former way of life, if we're being honest with each other. And the thing about affairs is they're supposed to remain secret. And so we like to keep them secret. We love to find subtle ways of indulging our lust. And if the truth is told, we don't want those ways to be exposed because then we'd have to repent from them. We love to covet and lust after money and things and houses. But we would never be so crass as to say that. And so we find sophisticated ways to keep our secret desires secret. We love to gossip and say things behind people's backs that we would never in a million years say to their face. And much more, we would never be caught dead saying those things in the face of Jesus Christ. But we say them. And the truth is, we love to do it. And the older we get, many of us, we get more sophisticated at justifying why it's a good thing for us to say what we're saying about other people behind their backs. We love to do this, and we love to keep it hidden. We want, in a way, peace and forgiveness with people, but if the truth is told, there's at least something in us that likes the bitterness that we're hanging on to. We like the perceived power that we have when we don't release someone from their sin against us. The bottom line is, every sin loves to be hidden, and every sinner loves to hide their sin. This is the nature of sin. This is the nature of sinners. Have you ever wondered why Adam and Eve clothed, clothed themselves only after they had sinned? You ever thought about that? And then why did they conspire together to hide from God? What was going on there? There's a lot to be said about that. There are multiple sermons there, but let me just bottom line it. The reason Adam and Eve put clothes on after they had sinned is because sin breeds isolation and brokenness from God and from others. Even when my sin is not against you directly, it still isolates me from you. And there's still something in me that now wants to hide myself from you, even if my sin had, in a way, nothing to do with you. This is the nature of sin. It breeds isolation. It breeds brokenness in relationships with each other and mostly with God. And the thing is, that as painful as the destruction of those relationships is, there's something in the sinner that gets off on the drama of all the brokenness, and we like it. And so we conspire to hide ourselves and to hide our sin from each other and from God. Sin breeds isolation, and sinners love to hide. That's the bottom line. And there's no one in this universe who understands this dynamic better than God Almighty Himself. And so as our Father who loves us, the One who went into the mud, into the darkness to redeem us out from there, as He knows and as He says, He just says, come out from that, walk as children of light, do not participate in the darkness, but instead expose it. The light the, the path back to the Garden of Eden, so to speak, is filled with light, not darkness. So walk in light and not as darkness. And the bottom line is, we just need to trust our Father. If we're being real honest with each other, there's not one of us in this room that wants to expose our sin. But our Father knows what He's talking about. And if we will expose our sin, He will do great things. A couple of weeks ago, 
You probably remember Pastor and Kevin and I, Pastor Kevin and I went down to Louisville, Kentucky to a pastor's conference. And as we were on our way down there, I had about the worst attitude that I possibly could have had. I, uh, had a lot to do here at the church. I did not want to leave my, my wife and my daughter for a week. I had been to so many conferences the year before, and I just felt conferenced out, if any of you know what I'm talking about. There's a point where you've just heard enough, and it's time for you to go do this stuff now, and I just felt there, and I did not want to go. Other people had sacrificed for me. They paid for Kevin and I's ticket. They paid for our gas to get down there and back, and yet my heart was so hard, and I just didn't want to go. And frankly, just to be honest about it, I was whining there almost the whole way, a little bit out loud, a lot of it inside of my heart. And when we got to Louisville, Pastor Kevin will testify, things did not get better for me. Do I get an amen, Pastor Kevin? We got to the hotel, it was late, 14-hour drive, long dinner in Louisville, we get there, a couple things go on that get on my nerves, and I'm just, I just get really rude and testy with the woman behind the thing. I just want to get into my room, just get it done, give me my key, let me get out of here. And I didn't really care much about what it made her feel like, if I'm being really honest. And so I got my stuff, I went up to my room, went to bed, which was at that time the best thing for me to do, just go to sleep, don't be around any other humans right now. I woke up in the morning, I went to be with Jesus, as I often and always do, and I just said, Jesus, I can't live like this. I can't live with this heart. Please help me. And I opened up the Word and He began to expose to me the deeper reasons why my heart was so hard. And I was so overjoyed to just watch my Father ministering to me. But at one point I said to Him, Lord, I see it more now. I see more now why my heart is this way. But I don't know what to do about it. I don't know where to go from here. And I had been meditating on these things for probably a week or so before that incident. And, and almost as instantly as I asked the Father the question, I heard His response back to me, Son, expose your sin. Just expose the sin and watch what I'll do. And I got the biggest smile on my face because I found the path to be free from my sin. And oh, what a great thing it is to have shackles on you and then watch them drop off and now you're free to walk away. Walk right out of the prison doors. What joy came over my soul. And so I started journaling like mad and just exposed my heart before my father. And I went and got right with a couple people around me that morning. And then as the day went on, we had different prayer groups with pastors. And I just confessed my heart out loud. And the more that I exposed my sin before God and before His people, the hardness just dissipated. It just dissipated. And the more that I exposed my sin, the more that this profound thought landed on me. Maybe, just maybe, Jesus sent me down there for a reason. Just a thought, right? Maybe He had a plan. Maybe He had something for me to get there. Maybe these hundreds and hundreds of dollars were spent because He wanted to give me something. And my heart opened up and i got to tell you, I got so much out of that conference. I'm not exaggerating. My wife can tell you, the Lord really blessed me down there. And there were some things that the Lord invested in me that I really needed. And I just want to give Him praise today and say that His wisdom works. Believe me, nothing in me wanted to expose my sin that day. But when I just obeyed my Father, I saw the wonders of God with my own eyes. And so, beloved child of God, listen to your Father. Walk as a child of light. Don't participate in darkness, but instead expose it. Nothing in you is going to want to do it, but after you do it in appropriate ways, you will be glad. 
you will be glad because you will see with your own eyes the wonders of God. Let's look at verses 13 and 14 because it describes some of these wonders. This is amazing to me. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Okay, the first part of that makes perfect sense to me. I walk into my living room and it's dark. Flip the light switch on and now... What was in the dark is now visible. Whatever is exposed to the light becomes visible. I see my couch, fireplace, chairs, table, all that stuff. I can see it now. makes perfect sense. What could it possibly mean to say, though, that whatever is exposed by the light becomes light? It is light. That's what Paul says in verse 14. I have puzzled over that sentence for over four weeks now. The reason I have done three sermons on these couple verses is because of my meditations on this part of a verse. What could it possibly mean for whatever is exposed to light to become light? After all this thought and meditation and prayer and conversation, I've come to a very simple conclusion that has gripped my soul. When we expose our sin before the light of the Lord, not only does He forgive the sin... But He uses it as an occasion to turn some of the darkness in our heart over to light. He makes what is darkness light now. And not only that, but sometimes He actually uses the sin to spread the light of the gospel of the glory of God in the face of Christ. One of the best examples I know of that right now is the story of Mike Cleveland and the ministry called Setting Captives Free. I wrote about this in your bulletins. So I don't want to say a lot about it now. I'd really encourage you to read that those few paragraphs in your bulletins later. But here's the gist of it. Mike Cleveland was hopelessly addicted to sexual sin. Hopelessly addicted for many years, over a decade. It ruined his first marriage. We're talking about serious, deep addiction. But one day, by the power and grace of Jesus Christ, he was set free and he's remained free for a long time. And he wrote down the principles from the Bible that he believed set him free. And he posted them on the internet. And in the first day, if I remember right, like 800 people read the material on the first day. To date, over 250,000 people have worked through his material and so many of them have found freedom in Christ, the same freedom that Mike Cleveland found. Do you see it? The darkness that was in his life was exposed to the light. And now his sin became the means by which Jesus freed other people from sin. He took light, he took darkness and made it into light and spread light because of darkness. Who can understand a God so powerful? I can understand when I'm camping and it's really dark and I have a flashlight and I'm using light to give me light. But here is a God so powerful that he can use darkness to make light. This is your God. And when you expose your sin, you will watch Him transform your darkness and your sin into light for the glory of His name. You will see this with your own eyes. In fact, in Louisville, I saw this. As I began to share my heart with other pastors, several of them said to me, thank you so much for being honest because I was struggling with the exact same things that you're talking about right now. And I watched the Lord not only melt my heart, but melt their heart and turn all this hardness and darkness into light. This is our God. Behold your God. If you will follow Him and obey Him, He will turn darkness in you over to light. And here's the bottom line. In doing that, 
He prepares you more and more to behold His face in the glory of Christ. The glory of His being in the face of Christ is what I mean. He's preparing you to see Him is what He's doing. And that's why Paul what he says what he says at the end of verse 14. Look there. Arise, O sleeper. Awake from the dead. And Christ will shine on you. Let Him shine on you because that's the very way that you are transformed and prepared to see Him. Oh, you who have the hope of seeing the glory of God in the face of Christ, trust your Father. Walk as children of light. Make no part in your life for darkness, but instead expose it and watch Him work His wonders. Oh, how I pray that we'll trust our Father. I close with the words of Peter from 1 Peter 1, 13-16. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Set your hope fully there. Don't hold back anything for the world or for yourself. Set your hope fully on the sight of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as He who is holy, He who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Father, how I praise You for Your great power and grace that saved us and that is saving us and that in that final day will save us. How I praise You for the vision in Your mind that has made us light, that is making us light, and that will in a more complete and perfect way make us light when we see Jesus Christ. Oh, how I praise You for this vision. Who can imagine a God so great and so gracious who would take His enemies and make them into this? People fit to behold and praise and prize the glory of Christ forever and ever and ever. Oh, Father, remove the veil from our eyes, I pray. Soften the hardness in our hearts. Let us see where all of this is leading. And then let us simply trust You and obey You. No matter what the circumstance, no matter what the difficulty, may we simply trust and obey You, walking as children of light and exposing all the darkness that lies within us, holding nothing back for ourselves, nothing back for the world. And in this way, Father, prepare us, I pray, and glorify Your great name. Be with us now, Jesus. Please protect the seed that has been planted in our hearts. When we walk out that door and go back to life as usual, may it not be life as usual. Change us, Jesus. Make us a people of hope who live according to the hope that lies within us. Do this, Lord. I trust You in this. You are the farmer here. You know how to protect seeds and water them and make them grow and sprout and produce so much fruit. And so we trust the Word of God and the seeds that have been planted into your able hands now. In your mighty and merciful name we pray. Amen.